I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're the Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode five of the Editing Podcast. So this week, we're talking about choosing the right kind of editor to suit your publishing needs. Now, in episode one, we did an overview of the different levels of editing. So if you're unsure about what they are, we'd really recommend that you listen to that episode again, just to clarify things. Definitely. So I think the kind of things that will influence um, your decision are things like what your budget is. Might it be that you can use friends or fellow writing group members to help you out with final proofreads or structural work? Um, you can also think about what your expertise levels are. What level of editing do you feel comfortable doing yourself and what do you need help with? Um, also, what your subject or, or genre focus is and perhaps also the kind of personality fit you're looking for in an editor. And last couple of things, um, think about um, the time frame you want the job turned around in, um, what your publishing goals are and um, uh, maybe, for instance, you're working with an agent or you decide you want to go it alone. And then finally, who your audience is. Yeah, so there's actually quite a lot to think about there, isn't uh, there? There is, there is. But let's just put all that to one side for a second and let's talk about money. Um, yeah. Now, we know <laughs> that professional editors do have a tendency to say that you should take your book through every single stage of the editing process. But we're not daft. And the reality is, we know that some writers are going to have to make some really tough decisions about budget, especially if they're self-publishing. Yeah, and I think that's particularly true in the indie fiction market. If you're self-publishing, say, a romance or a thriller, the market's really noisy. And so it might take you longer to get a return on your investment because ultimately you're writing something that entertains first and foremost. Yeah. So, so one thing you can do is maybe think about what other resources you have to hand. So um, if you've studied storycraft, either through books or classes or a writing group, you might decide that you won't invest in a full developmental edit, but you'll get a critique instead. Now, that's a really specialist service um, in the fiction editing market. And what it does is it gives you an overview of how your story's working at macro level. And rather than editing the text, the author gets a report. It's it's more work for you as the author, but it's cheaper. Yeah, that's a good point about the price. And that point that you made about entertainment is interesting because if you're publishing nonfiction and you're writing for a niche market, you may well be providing something that's less entertainment and more educational. Absolutely. So for, yeah, so for example, if you're a marketer and you've written a book that helps people learn how to be visible, and you've already got a platform because of your job, you may be able to sell your book more quickly. And then that will give you more confidence in investing in editing because you know that you're going to get that return. Yeah, and thinking about that, that's um, what Andrew and Pete did. And for people listening, they're two professional marketers that me and Denise know. And, yeah. Um, they're really well known in their field. So when they launched their books, um, The Hippocampus and Content Mavericks, they were already confident they could sell a lot of those quickly because they they were already known and trusted. So they knew that anything they spent on editing was going to be a good investment. Uh, yeah, and that's a really good example of the expertise issue. So when you're writing business or educational materials, and if you've got an academic background, you'll already know how that material needs to be structured. So maybe you'll be more confident about not working with a developmental editor, and maybe you'll decide to focus on investing in copy editing that corrects the text. Or perhaps, um, and I think this would probably apply to fiction as well, 
maybe if you know you've got a really good command of English language and grammar, you might feel that you'd benefit from a professional proofread rather than a full-on copy edit. Yeah. And one thing I notice with some indie fiction um, authors um, is that some of them are really confident about their grammar and punctuation, but mm. they know they overwrite or they know that they tend towards repetition. So they decide, yeah, I know I want to hire a pro line editor, but then I'll get a friend or a member of my writing group to do the final proofread. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point about knowing what it is you're comfortable doing mm. as a writer. Um, so understanding your strengths and weaknesses. Um, some editors offer mini line edits, and I think you do that for fiction, don't you? I do, yeah. For I do it for 10,000 words. So the idea behind that, when I set that service up, was that a writer can see what kinds of problems I'm finding at sentence level, but also how I'm how, how I'm fixing them to smooth the yeah. test. And then um, they can mimic me. Um, is that something you do for non-fiction, Denise? Do you think there's well, a market for it? Do you know, there probably is a market. I'm sure there is a market. And I'm sure there are editors out there that are already doing that. Um, it's not something that I offer at the moment, but I do think it's a really good idea. I, I don't see why non-fiction writers wouldn't benefit from this approach because we know that plenty of people are on a tight budget and they'd love some guidance mm. on where they can tighten up their writing. And because sometimes all you need is someone to point out an error for you, isn't it? So you can yeah. just stop, stop making it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, because uh, we all have favourite words that we tend to overuse, don't we, Louise? <laughs> not me. Not, not oh, me. No, not you. Never, never repeat myself. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk about genre and subject yeah. now, because um, something I've been asked a few times is whether a writer must work with someone who's a specialist in a particular field. And so... In fiction, I don't think it's necessarily essential. I know quite a lot of fiction editors who, who work across genres, um, though many of us do have specialist bents. So for me, for example, about 90% of my work is in crime fiction, thrillers and mystery, that kind of stuff. And um, so that's definitely a specialism for me. Mm. Um, and I know an editor who specialises in romance, another in speculative fiction. And I think it can be an advantage. I suppose that's as far as I'd go. I don't think it's essential, but I'd, I'd say it's an advantage in the sense that the writer um, is working with someone who's familiar with the tropes and conventions in that genre. Yeah. Kind of literary devices might work best. Uh, best. So how about in nonfiction? Well, as with uh, so many things in editing, I think it depends. Well, <laughs> just, just for a change, yeah. So I think there are definitely some subjects where authors are more than likely to be better off working with a particular specialist editor. So um, I'm thinking of legal work, medical and scientific writing. They come to mind. Um, and also, I think if someone's, for example, a social science specialist, it can help if they use a specialist editor who's used to the language um, or, mm. or the culture of the language that those writers use because they might spot mistakes that non-specialists wouldn't. Yeah. yeah, and I think, again, it depends on the intended audience. So some writers are aiming their books at non-specialists, and so they're really keen to make sure that their books are really accessible to the layperson. So it's not so much that the editor needs to be a specialist themselves, but more that they can edit with an educational and accessible tone in mind because you know sometimes we forget how much we know about a subject and we make assumptions about what other people will know it's the curse of knowledge yeah 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 yeah, absolutely. yeah. yeah. so your editor will be thinking about things like using plain language rather than jargon and pitching the language of your writing at the right level for your intended reader 
And that kind of leads into this issue of personality to a degree too. Um, so I know, like me, I'm a little bit oversensitive at times. So I oh. cry. <laughs> I know. Bless I, you. <laughs> I cry at adverts and get weepy in airports. And I used to sort of think, well, what use of that is to me as an editor? But actually, as I've um, become more experienced, I've, I've learned that actually that sensitivities fed really well into my fiction editing because it it helps me really immerse myself in the world that the author's built right. whereas um someone who perhaps really excels in editing business books might struggle to line edit crime fiction because yeah. they they're just their personality works in a different way so I guess what i'm saying here is that i think i do think that even if a writer doesn't focus specifically on genre or subject specialism i think it's worth them thinking about whether they should at least hire a specialist non-fiction or fiction editor i think that could be an advantage yeah yeah i think that is an interesting point um because i mean i love reading all sorts of fiction um everything from literary to crime to horror and supernatural you know me i love my vampires (laughs) (laughs) yeah i really do but I really don't think I've got the temperament to edit it. I, I'm much happier dealing with facts. Not that you're saying I'm a bit of a snake with the truth, I hope, Denise. No, <laughs> I wouldn't say a thing like that, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on swiftly. Yeah. Shall we talk about time frame now? Because some writers definitely do need um, an editor who specialises in quick turnarounds, don't they? Yeah, definitely. And, <clears throat> uh, and I, I do get um, a lot of inquiries from authors who want a quick turnaround because say they're hoping to get their fiction out in time for Christmas or for some big convention or writing event but mm. sometimes it's just because they're ready to get going now um, yeah and, but because of the length of the project it's not usually possible to help someone who isn't booking well in advance um is that that's something you deal with as well in non-fiction well it's that favorite word of mine again it de- <laughs> depends it but it depends on the material so yeah. um I can turn around a few thousand words quite often at fairly short notice for example you know a business report or a blog or something like that but um a full length book obviously will come with the same issues that you have with fiction yeah yeah but you you're right there are editors out there who specialize in very short turnaround But what I would say is that if a writer wants something done quickly, and I mean really quickly, something something will probably have to give. If you Mm. want something done that means the editor's going to have to work outside of their normal hours, for example, that's going to cost more. Yep, and the alternative is that you can ask them to do a rush job on a budget, and but that's going to affect quality. You can't have it always, can you? Absolutely not, you can't. So there's fast, there's cheap, and there's quality. And I always say pick any two. I love that. I remember you 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 um, wrote a blog post about that a few years back and you had this really brilliant infographic that just really summed, summed it up visually. Yeah. It's that sort of Venn diagram of the overlap, yeah, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's quite good. So um, we should talk about publishing process now because I think writers need to be careful about choosing the right kind of editor depending on how they're publishing. Yeah. This, came, this came up at the Future Book Live conference that I was at in London last year, this issue of understanding your goals. So I've had authors ask me for a, a final proofread when they're submitting to agents. And my advice is um, an agent's not going to reject a book because of a few typos here and there. 
Yeah. What they're going to be looking at is a great story that hangs together well and is readable. So choosing a developmental or line editor is going to be a much better fit and a better investment than a proofreader. Yeah. Similarly, I've had authors come to me who are submitting business books direct to publishers when the publishers they're hoping to work with already include editing and proofreading as part of their service. So it's really important for an author to work out what's on offer from the people that they're planning on publishing through and if you're doing it all yourself you're back to those other things that we've already talked about working out where you're writing and self-editing strengths and weaknesses lie so so let's talk about audience because that will definitely determine what kind of editor you use I think yeah it will so um for example um if you're publishing a family memoir and it's just a lovely thing that you're creating for friends and family um as a way of passing down your family history you might decide that that good enough is enough so you might get a copy edit to sort out your spelling grammar and punctuation and to make sure everything's readable but you're not going to be worried about whether it'll get five stars on amazon because you're not planning on putting it out there or you might just decide that you don't need to hire anyone else and you're just going to do everything yourself that's a really good point and the reviews thing is certainly going to be an issue if you're putting it out to the general public i've got a regular author who published I don't know, maybe 10 books on Amazon before he came to me. Um, People loved his story because his stories because he's a really great world builder and a really good self-structural editor. But he was getting Amazon stars knocked off and grumpy reviews because of the sentence level mistakes. It was just basically a lot of his readers were pedants. And so that's how I ended up with his back catalogue. And he absolutely knew he needed a copy editor because his audience was demanding it. And that's a really good reminder that it's never too late to work with an editor or to do your own editing. Yeah, and that really is the beauty of publishing in the 21st century, I think. Um, digital yeah. publishing has really democratised things but and given everyone the opportunity to make informed decisions, not just about who they want to work with, but how they want to publish. And, and you know, if they want to change their mind and do something different differently, they can go back. They can change their mind. They can They can have another go. It's really worth remembering that when it's not set in stone, once once the process is finished, we can always go back and review things. Okay, then uh, let's wrap up with a quick overview. Um, So if you can just remember that when you're deciding what kind of editor to work with, think about your budget and who else around you might be capable of helping you with some parts of the editing process. But also look at your own experience and skills and think about your strengths and your weaknesses. Yeah, and ask yourself whether you want to work with a specialist fiction or non-fiction editor, or even someone who has sub-specialist experience in terms of genre or subject, and whether you want an editor who's a um, particular personality type. Yep, and Mm. also consider your time frame and what the implications are for the quality of the work and for the cost. And, And also who your publishing partners are, agent, publisher, Um, What are those people expecting you to do? Um, What do you need to do yourself? Yeah, and finally, think about your audience and what their expectations are. And now it's time for Editing Bytes. This is our weekly feature where we each recommend a tool or resource for you. So what have you got for us this week, Louise? So my editing bite for this week is the wonderful Joel Friedlander's self-publishing Carnival of the Indies, which he posts on his book designer website. So each month, 
Joel publishes a list of links to blog articles written by editors and writers and for indie authors. So there's a whole ton of stuff, everything from writing tools and tips to book design and production, um, articles about marketing and selling your books, um, information on ebooks and ebook readers, and also how to achieve self-publishing success. So what about you? Uh, yeah, that's a really great resource. That's a really good one, Louise. Uh, mine is Tim Lewis's Begin Self-Publishing podcast. And oh. um, we both know Tim. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a great podcast. And Tim takes you through how to self-publish your ebook, uh, whether that's onto Amazon or Apple or another global ebook store. Uh, he looks at how to market the book and general online business techniques that are needed to be a successful self-publisher. Now, there are well over a hundred episodes to listen to and Louise and I have both been guests so you can yeah so you can check out episodes 104 and 108. Yeah Tim is so lovely he was actually the first um, guest podcast interview I ever did and I was quite yeah and I was quite (laughs) nervous about doing it you know it was a new platform I'd never really played with it before and he really put me at ease. So thanks, Tim. You're a star. I'll um, the other, that. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I should mention is that he often interviews authors as well, business authors, fiction authors. So it gives really good insights for um, really other writers. Point. Yeah. Um, so that's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the Editing Podcast. You can rate, review and subscribe by your podcatcher. And don't forget to share, share, share. Tell your writer friends, your editor friends, your business friends, basically anyone who writes. If you've got any questions for us, please do get in touch with us via the Editing Podcast Facebook page. If you ask us, we will answer. It's a promise. And don't forget, all the links we've mentioned are in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.